You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Old Southern Barbecue. Their award-winning sauces and rubs will add a Lombardi Trophy level of flavor to your Packers watch parties. The sweet and tangy Dixie Red Sauce packs a one-two punch with brown sugar and molasses, and the spicy Chicago Fire Sauce brings the heat with its fiery chili blend. Complete the championship flavor profile with their secret recipe brisket and rib rubs. And for the ultimate game day experience, let Old Southern Barbecue handle the catering. Their smoked meats, homemade sides, and cornbread muffins mm, will have your crowd celebrating like they're at the Super Bowl. Visit OldSouthernBarbecue.com today for catering menus and to order their mouth-watering sauces and rubs. Lays it up for Freeman. What a catch! That's insane! And or did he make the catch? Yes! Welcome back to Packernet. JJ Leahy, Ryan Schlipp, and Jake Shavink. The preseason is over. We are in the swing of the uh, 2023 NFL regular season. The Packers trimmed nearly 40 players from their roster. Uh, we got our mm, sort of 53 with a bunch of asterisks. Uh, I think we're still waiting for them to put Luke Tenuta on IR, I believe. But uh, Matt Orzek, the long snapper, was spotted at practice today. So seems like everything's just a technicality at this point. We got... Basically, our whole practice squad as well. Jake, as you think back over this cutdown period that we just went through, this is an opening into question. I'm uh, curious to see what your uh, interpretation of this is going to be. Do you have any regrets about the this this cutdown period as we trim down to the fifty three? That's a good question. Do I have any regrets? Um. Honestly, I feel like last week when we talked about it, I think the regret was not believing in the Packers eyeing talent with Emmanuel Wilson rather than, you know, them sticking to their guns. With with Patrick Taylor, I think we kind of talked a lot about that and hammered that home because they've often done that. And, and 
you know, there was that wasn't like an unfounded claim that we were bringing up, you know, last week. I think just, you know, the the, the cream of the crop made the team. Uh, you know, we kind of talked a lot about, you know, will they take six edge rushers? Will they do, you know, certain things? And it's like, well, the talent's there. Just follow it. And I think maybe that's the biggest regret, I would say. Just, yeah, with, especially with Emmanuel Wilson because, yeah, he should have been on that roster. I think we all kind of believed that. And but there was still that like, mm, are they really going to do it? So I, that was probably the biggest one, but I I'm, I'm thrilled with what they've got right now. And, and obviously they made a couple, you know, pickups today and, and now obviously Carpenter and, and Ford, I believe were the, the casualties of the roster with those Bummer. waiver claims. But, yeah. But yeah, devastation over here, but yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing. I, uh, overall though, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with what they've got. Ryan, the Packers stashed three, undrafted free agents on their initial 53 and all three of those guys survived their first uh, post 53 cut down when they had to move off of two guys. seems like there's a huge emphasis on, we don't really care about the sort of dependable floor that, that guys can give us this year. Like we've seen in past years, it's all about growth for the future. What do you think that this, uh, this this flurry of, of undrafted guys who are just kind of balls of potential, we think they have to offer in the future for the Packers and, and just overall this whole team of youth. Anything as it relates to this year uh, that has you nervous or you think that this is just you know the way of the future? Well, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited. I feel like we're returning back to the old Packers in terms of, you know, we're getting away from we need to play scared, we need to – you know, we can't let anybody go. We got to spend all the money to keep everybody and everything. We're kind of getting back to the old school strategy of just draft and develop and just keep getting young guys and keep trying to get, you know, we're just going to turn it over. Gutekunst has been doing that on a very low level, usually during the season, just turning over little stuff with a little bit of, of uh, um, success, I guess. But, you know, a great example would be Patrick Taylor versus Emmanuel Wilson. You know, Patrick Taylor is Mr. Dependable, but he's not taking you anywhere. You're not getting anything out of Patrick Taylor. He's never going to be a great running back. He is a low-tier running back, a low-tier blocker, a low-tier special teamer. And it's just nice, although I'm a little upset that they messed up my 53 by lying to me and saying that we don't care about running, we just want special teams and all that. So I'm, uh, that ticks me off a little bit. But it was the right decision, I think, to go ahead and do that because – Look, Emmanuel Wilson's probably not going to be a great runner, but he might be. And Patrick Taylor's not going to be. And Malik Heath might be the next Alan Lazard. And and so, yeah, take those swings. And if it's one every 10, one every 20, you're going to end up with a pretty stacked and cheap roster, by the way. This is how you also are able to pay a bunch of superstars because you have a loaded bunch of backups that are really, really cheap because they're undrafted free agents, seventh-round picks and everything else. So I don't know what they're going to become. But it just it feels like we're a much more it's just refreshing, just like everything else that we're doing right now. It's just kind of a it doesn't feel so stuffy and so just like we're not going anywhere. Like we're starting fresh, we're getting young, we're getting fast, we're getting athletic, and uh maybe not this year, but in the near future we're gonna be a heck of a team to mess with. And Goose says At- choo choo <laughs> for some reason. It's the love train. Yeah, let's go goose. Well, Packernet derailed. He's he's following the whole train oh, well. theme. Um, yeah, that's fair. A guy named Stephen Holder. I had not heard of him, but he works for ESPN. Uh, released the news today that 
the Packers apparently were in to some degree, <laughs> and he said the interest was real on Jonathan Taylor of all players. And when he pieced notes together, it seems apparent that Jonathan Taylor and his um, his group of people reached out to the Packers, expressing interest in uh, being a Packer. Apparently, a Packers scout. Uh, is the one who talked to the Colts. Doesn't sound like there was actually a phone call between the front office and the Colts. Uh, but it was interesting hearing Brian Gutekunst, um, the way that he answered when he was asked about it at the podium today, uh, because he, you know, certainly did not uh, deny their interest. When you piece things together, it would seem that that the tentative plan would have been to trade Aaron Jones and who knows what else for Jonathan Taylor and extend Jonathan Taylor. Now, none of this is probably going to happen, but it leads me to sort of the uh, conclusion that I've been thinking on for kind of a while that the Packers seem to really overvalue running backs a lot more than I do. And I think it's, interesting because we know that they value quarterbacks more than the rest of the league. And it seems like they place a very high degree of importance on defense, but then also they're pretty willing to overspend at running back kind of at every turn. We have AJ Dillon, who was a very early pick Aaron Jones, one of the highest paid running backs in the league and an interest in a guy like Jonathan Taylor. When you hear that he might be available, Ryan, running backs and rushing the football, not necessarily what the analytics is telling us is the future of the NFL. However, when you look at college football, the Northern teams have a heavier uh, reliance and and feature on rushing the football, ground and pound, uh, winning in the trenches. When you have all this, you know, it, it is just a different environment in the cold, especially late in the year. Is this something that the Packers should disregard and just focus on only what the analytics are saying about passing being the way to win or being an outdoor team that plays up in the North? Is it actually logical and smart to be emphasizing rushing the ball the way that the Packers seem to want to do? Yeah, so my, my first thought, as you were saying that, is, man, it really makes you wonder what would have happened if Bijan made it. <laughs> but... um Amen. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it seemed like it was never going to happen, but all these things that are going uh, on, it's like, man, I wonder. But anyways, no, I uh, I, I, I do the, – the data seems conclusive, man. Every time you think about it, it's like, well, I don't know. What about these situations or those situations? Somebody's run the numbers, and they're like, no, it's it's significantly worse. Like, It's just a dead end everywhere you go. I'm sure there are some real situations, and, yeah, especially in the cold, late in the season. I mean, it, it's hard to argue with the fact that – Nobody wants to be smacked in the mouth by A.J. Dillon in January. That's not going to be a very fun thing. And if you're able to do that successfully, that's going to benefit you. So, you know, I, I, I'm i sure there are some uses. But I, at the same time, yeah, I mean, there is a a very clear amount of data that says that these are not where you want to allocate your resources. And it seems like that is exactly where the Packers – and, again, I don't know if this Jonathan Taylor thing is real. I'm just going off of – this you know hypothetical here 
But um, you know, even even second round picks and and you know, extending Aaron Jones and whatnot, it it does it's just gonna leave not a lot of money elsewhere. The question I would have is we don't have a lot of money put in wide receiver. We don't have a lot of money put into quarterback necessarily. We kind of do. I wonder if this maybe dissipates as we move on and, and suddenly we have to pay our wide receivers and everything else because, you know, how much we're paying our, I know you hate this word, but weapons in total, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, it's really low, even with Aaron Jones. But if we still have to pay Musgrave and those guys, I would hope anyways they're going to prioritize those positions over running back. That's all I can really conclude at at this time. But there, you're right. There does seem to be, you know, as much as we want to brag about the Packers being a smarter team, this is the one area where it's like, oh, of course we were the one freaking team. Of course we were. You, <laughs> we're the one team not smart enough to go, we're not touching that. But I'll just assume that it wasn't necessarily very real and leave it at that. Well, sticking with the running back topic and being dumb and not – doing anything that analytics are telling you to do and maybe being stuck in some behind the times football. We're playing the Chicago bears really soon. Uh, <laughs> we got to go play the only other outdoor Northern team. I guess you got Buffalo as well, but they got a running back playing quarterback over there and we're having a big time debate. And yes, I'm trying to be inflammatory. We're in a big time <laughs> debate tonight. Jordan love versus Justin Fields. Who's going to be better in week one. And I think when I was putting this topic together and I sent it to you guys, I purposefully left out any kind of definition of what better means. Partially because if you were talking to a Bears fan, they would pull something wild out of thin air to uh, tell you what would be better for a quarterback. Jake, haven't heard from you in a second. Talk to me about what you are wanting to see from Jordan Love in this game. Um, you know, we have a body of a limited body of work. We've seen him play in the preseason a little bit last year. What are you hoping to see from Jordan Love against the Bears in week one? Well, I think I think the biggest thing right off the bat is <clears throat> this like I think very calm confidence that he's that he's displayed more so in the preseason than than he has in previous games or starts or anything like that, that 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 he's done in the NFL. I think you see him stay very poised under pressure. That's definitely been a thing in the preseason. Uh you know, he's he's waiting and waiting and waiting. He's looking for options and then he's scrambling. He's not necessarily, you know, it's not one read and scramble with him, but when he is under duress, Again, you don't see the very panicky throws. I think there was maybe one that you would say was a panicky throw. That was like the DeGuara one early in the New England game. Not sure why we're throwing that, to be honest. Uh, just throw it at his feet. That was very dangerous. Uh, and that's something that that has kind of, he needs to get coached out of him a little bit. Because it, it definitely was a thing at Utah State where it's just, oh, keep the play alive. Do whatever possible to, you know, maybe rip off some explosive play, big time throw it on the field. That, that got him into trouble. I think just and, and play within yourself. I think one of the things I remember, like you just you, you know, growing up, you know, listening to all these like you know Super Bowl documentaries. You get those ones every year for the team that's going to the Super Bowl and winning it, and just hearing like some of the quarterbacks talk to their receivers and be like, "You don't have to be more than you what you are. Just be you. You is good enough." And I think the Jordan Love that we've seen in the preseason, that's good enough. 
it it looks the the rhythmic the rhythm throwing is is on point. I think you know, like I've talked about the poise already. It just seems like you know you don't have to do too much in this game, and I think most everyone would agree with that. It's the Bears, right? It's the team with the first overall pick. Are they going to be better this season? Surely they are. I don't think you're going to see back to back three one seasons, but honestly, there's there's so much. Uh, in, in the positive column for Green Bay on offense, the offensive line looks great, right? They they can lean on a running game if they need to. There are receivers with tons of speed, separation ability, reliability. So Love just has to, I think, play within himself. Don't get carried away. Don't get cute. Just you, you, you've you been in this system now. This is your, what now? It's, gosh, it's four in this four. system. And you, this is your time. You've been waiting. You've been learning. Just you don't have to go out and be Patrick Mahomes. I promise that that does not need to happen in week one. Uh, maybe it needs to happen when you play the Chiefs in December, but we're not talking about that game. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just think that, yeah, it, it just comes down to good progression, smart decision making, keep showing the poise, and just just be what we've kind of seen in the Philly game and, and in the preseason. I, I don't I don't think it has to be overcomplicated. Ryan, obviously the standard for Packers quarterbacks is you gotta beat your rivals. And especially you have to beat your worst rivals. And the Bears are a bad football team. Coming out of our third preseason game, as you're thinking specifically about week one and what your checklist would be for a a really truly successful week one performance from Jordan Love. Obviously, you know, throughout the harp hyperbole, we're not looking for a 500 yard passing game, but what would constitute in your mind a perfect week one performance from Jordan Love? Yeah, I think Jake pretty well laid it out. Um, I, I hate to use the phrase game manager, but that's kind of that's kind of it. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And especially because the Bears are a bad football team, primarily their defense is really bad. There's going to be opportunities. Just take the opportunities that are going to be presented to you, right? The 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 Honestly, the only way I see us losing this game is if we shoot ourselves in the foot. Our defense is significantly better than their offense. Our offense, like every other offense in the NFL, can handle the Bears' defense. <laughs> so guys are going to be open. Just don't miss the opportunities, you know? Offensive line, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Give the guy time. Again, just like Jake said, just like you did in the preseason, just give us what you did there. You made all the right reads, right? You know the progression. You know what you need to do. Find the right guy and throw a good pass. If we, if he does that, it's a successful day, and there's no reason we shouldn't win that football game. I looked at uh, offensive plays per game last year for the Packers, uh, and it would range from roughly about 60 to the low 70s. And I looked at the last four performances we've seen from Jordan Love because he played roughly about one quarter in each of those four. And just coincidentally, it added up to 67 offensive plays that he was in, which is basically a full game's um, production. So the last full game's worth of production that we saw from Jordan Love, he had 306 yards on uh, – 42 dropbacks. I did not filter out throwaways, but he had 42 dropbacks, 27 completions for 306 yards, four touchdowns, a field goal, and zero interceptions. 
that I think would be a fantastic stat line and something we'd all be really excited about. And of course I had to then go look at, at Justin Fields. And I thought since <laughs> Fields played a whole season last year, it was fair to just take the average of every game he played. Now I know a lot of bears fans are going to start screaming about, well, you got to filter out weeks one through six and weeks 17 and 18. You can't, we're just doing the whole season average for last season. <laughs> Justin Fields had 21 passing attempts last year for just 12.8 completions per game, which is hilarious because he had 11 rushing attempts per game. So he almost had as many rushing attempts as he had passing completions last year, but he threw for 149 yards and 1.13 touchdowns last year. And then as far as uh, interceptions per game, he did throw a lot of interceptions. It wasn't quite one per game. It was 0.73, but you're still erring on the side of it's more likely than not that he throws an interception. He also was sacked four times per game last year. Now, a lot of folks like to point to the offensive line. Ryan, thoughts on sacks for Justin Fields? Is this something that is going to be better in year three for him now? Or, you know, since the uh, offensive line, we are told by Bears fans, is much improved from last year? Or are sacks a quarterback stat? Well, it, it, I'm, I'm a little bit torn only because the numbers were so obscene last year. It feels almost like it's not possible to replicate anything like that ever again. But at the same time, what's different? I know I, the, the offensive line apparently is massively different, even though it's almost the exact same human beings that are on that offensive line. Um, look, I, 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 I'll, I'll assume that the numbers will come down slightly. If, if for no other reason than the Bears will... The Bears coaching staff will desperately try to find ways. Maybe that means trying to get him to throw the ball out faster. In fact, one of the things I talked about on the podcast that we need to watch for that I think could be to his detriment is he seems to be keying in on DJ Moore a lot. Like just as soon as he gets the ball, where's DJ? Throw it. I don't care if I'm hitting the defender in the back because it does. I'm just throwing it over there. So if he's doing that, you know, there, there, there might end up being a little bit less in the sack department, but Aside from just general tweaks to play or whatever, I, I don't think things massively improved. I don't think a rookie is going to come in and dominate the NFL. That almost never happens. Nate Davis is no better of a pass blocker, according to his pass block. You know, um, uh, the 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 PFF stat the Bears fans insist we have to use. He's no good, and Tevin Jenkins is now injured, so that sucks for them. On top of, I mean, they've got a bunch of guys that are. In, I don't even know who's going to be playing necessarily. I know. Um, uh, the the old Packer, I can't even think of his name. Um, he was going to be playing, but he's got a hand injury. Oh, Lucas so, Patrick. Lucas Patrick. I was thinking Patrick Taylor. I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, <laughs> I got him on the brain today for some reason. <laughs> no, but I just it's it it's not an improved thing. I think that they're going to do everything they can, and the and the biggest thing they're going to try to do is is to make him a pocket passer, and I think that's ultimately to his detriment. So, will the sacks go down? Probably. <laughs> Will his production go down overall? Yes. I think his rushing yards are going to plummet. I think his passing yards are probably going to suffer a little bit. I mean, they're, they're going to be bad, and and I just I just think it's going to be a really deflating year for Bears fans hoping that Justin Fields takes a leap. So we are talking about who's going to be better in week one, Jordan Love or Justin Fields. And, again, there's a lot of different ways that you can define better. One way that is important to a lot of people 
is fantasy. I happen to have both Jordan Love and Justin Fields on my fantasy team, and I got to admit, I have been struggling with the idea of whether or not I should actually start Justin Fields in this game because, no, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Green Bay Packers defense because I've right. just seen him play too often. On the other hand, he did finish as one of the highest um, scoring quarterbacks in fantasy last year. I took those stats that I gathered up for Jordan Love over those last four quarters played. 27 completions for 306 yards and four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I actually tweaked him a little bit. So I did add in his 32 rushing yards. I gave him an interception uh, because it's his first real start. And I also added in one sack. I don't think he's been sacked at all in those last four games we played, but I, I did that. I did not adjust down his touchdowns, but it's a, a difference of about it's a difference of four points if you take one of those touchdowns out. So whether he gets three or four touchdowns, has an interception and a sack, three hundred and six yards, you're looking at between twenty five to twenty nine points. That is absolutely startable. How confident do you think I should be in these projected stats based on these last four quarters that we've seen Jordan Love play? Is it really stupid for me to <laughs> assume that this is something I can count on? Or what do you think? You found the one metric that made me go, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Congratulations on that. It matters to a lot of our listeners. Yeah, I get it. That's fair. It's a fair point. Oh, man. Oh, goodness. I tried to get the guys from the uh, Packernet Fantasy Podcast to hop on here. Didn't have any takers. So uh, I got to lean on you guys. 306 yards, three or four touchdowns, one interception, one sack. That's what he's done the last game's worth of snaps he's been on the field. There's just so much, I think, to contextualize in this game uh, that that's going to affect fantasy points. Right now, the Bears are trotting out two rookies at defensive tackle. Uh, and I know that the Packers are notoriously have better pass blockers and run blockers, but you also got to remember, I believe the Packers were fifth in rush EPA, or rush DVOA, I mean, sorry, uh, last season. There, there could be, you know, a, a game of the works where, you know, Ryan and I both mentioned I kind of danced around the term. Ryan used it, and I think it was perfectly used, where Love just kind of manages things maybe has one touchdown and a lot of the work goes to Dylan and Jones. And that's how, you know, they really kind of break the bears back in week one to where then, you know, if, you know, the Packers are building leads in fantasy football, I always want players who are trailing, uh, especially, you know, a quarterback, whether he's running or not. And, you know, if the bears are going to be trailing in this game, which I think most of us would believe they will be at some point, I think, you know, fields running around and, you know, picking up 120 rushing yards in garbage time is probably something I would want for fantasy. But it's a tough call. Ryan, I know you kind of hate fantasy football, but you also play it every year. I didn't last year. It's my first time in a long time, and I haven't even looked at it this year. That's why it's kind of tough. I, mean, I, I know Justin Fields would dominate fantasy i know fantasy enough to know that i mean it's the same reason why a lot of people in the fantasy community overvalued cam newton for a very very long time and he got way too much credit because of what he did you know especially rushing touchdowns um so i yeah i'm, I'm assuming he's he's pretty high up there as far as 
desirable players you'd want on your team. And I, and I honestly, I would, without having delved into it, I would probably put Justin Fields ahead of Jordan Love because I, I just, you know, somebody had called into Packernet after dark tonight when I did the, the the podcast, and they um they said, man, I hope we blow out the Bears. And I was thinking about it, and maybe it happens. I just really struggle to see like the Packers just hanging forty, you know, like Jordan Love just dropping back, slinging it around, getting you know four touchdowns. It just it doesn't feel right. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm way off. I don't know, but I just don't see that. Whereas compo- as opposed to Justin Fields just ripping off twenty yard runs on the Packers, which you know at at a minimum that's coming at least once, if not a sixty yard touchdown run. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would probably lean Fields from a fantasy perspective. I did plug in Fields' average numbers because one thing that's important to consider is that sack yardage because that does count against yes. you. So. Rushing yardage minus sack yardage actually only leaves him with an average of, unless my math is way off here, 34 rushing yards per game once you Mm. take out the sack yardage. Because he was sacked for 24 yards per game. Jeez. So his average fantasy points scored last year was 17.3. He had more negative sack yardage than most quarterbacks have positive rushing yardage in a game. I think he had more. Let me see here. Now he he had almost as many negative sack yards as Jordan Love has rushing yards in this, uh, <laughs> this sample of data we're using. Oh. And Goose pointed out in the chat, Love can run. Don't forget that I did include that. Thirty-two rushing yards is what he had over those last four quarters and and zero sacks. Um, so I don't know. It's 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 tough. I would really like to I hear like from uh, folks in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jones. Elevated, and elevated shine. No, no. What are you looking at? Uh, not Jones Blaine. and Dylan, I guess. Jones and Taylor. Oh, Blaine says <laughs> dominating on the ground instead. Actually, that's kind of. Uh, I mean, rushing touchdowns obviously is is the biggest negative here for yeah. Jordan Love. But I mean, you get some screens. Could happen. He's he has yeah. thrown a decent number of screens. So the that that screen yardage that we were kind of giving Justin Fields some crap for in the uh, preseason, it still counts for fantasy. The other big positive that just occurred to me with just, with Jordan Love, and of course we have to assume this carries into the regular season, but their success in the red zone, primarily by Jordan throwing passes, is pretty incredible. I mean, when they get down in there, they usually convert, and it's all been passes to receivers so far. So I think that would be a major positive if that does continue. He's He's going to have a lot of points. Let's talk about Matt LaFleur for a second. I do want to circle back to Justin Fields, but let's talk about Matt LaFleur and the way that he is likely to call this game. I think that he has a lot of times exhibited some extra aggression in rivalry games. I'm thinking back, for example, in the in the 2020 season, going for two against the Lions when he was already up 20 and just glaring across the field at uh, Matt Patricia. And I think that that had something to do with the fact that the previous year they had beaten the lions twice while leading for zero seconds in either game. Yeah. And uh, you know, the uh, accusations from a lot of people that the Packers were phony and that those are phony wins on the lions. It seems like he carries a grudge. Do you think that he is going to 
keep his foot on the gas here against the Bears, or is he going to be really conservative as he's trying to work in a new quarterback and just try and get out of there with a win by any means? And if that means running the ball a lot, trying to play a, a low-scoring defensive game like the first game he ever coached against the Bears, 2019, week one, which way are you leaning that he is going to go? I'm going to flip this to Ryan first. So I dropped off for about half of that, but are we talking about Matt LaFleur's game plan going into this? Yes, sir. So I'm, I'm kind of torn. That was another thing that, that was asked in this game is, you know, if, if the Bears kind of am – I, am I frozen again? Just kick it to nope. Jake. No, we got you. We can hear you. Oh, he left. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jake, you got you. Yes. You heard the whole question. I did. Um, yeah, this is this is complicated because I think when you look at like what Lafleur was doing for for Love against Philly, I think that that quick passing game was huge because it's neutralizing a ridiculously good pass rush and a ridiculously deep pass rush, and that was very important uh, to keep kind of Jordan Love out of you know 
some dangerous situations, getting him heavily under pressure. I don't think you're going to see that level of pressure from Chicago unless they bring extra bodies in this game. You know, obviously, I think they they waived Tra- Travis Gibson, if I'm not mistaken, because I know that he was looking for a trade because of the schemes, yeah. which that was well, like, well, well, Travis Gibson tweeted that he never asked for a trade. He was pissed oh. about that. Oh, I see. Um, well, either way, you're, you're there's a lot of youth and a lot of and, and a, a heavy lack of production along the defensive line. So I don't think, you know, you're going to see LaFleur be like, all right, well, we can't, you know, there, there can't be any deep shots. We can't, you know, let the play action game, you know, really, really dominate the playbook. You can definitely do that. I will, I expect shot plays in this game. It's just a matter of if love's going to hit them. There have been two opportunities, two big ones in the preseason didn't hit them. You could argue the first one is just a really, really good play by Dax Hill. I think it was. He was. I thought the ball out. was maybe a little touch, yeah. bit late. Just a tiny yeah. bit late. Yeah, not short, but you, late. You could, but I think. Yeah, I think you can definitely argue that. I think when you look back as well, Hill was never even looking that other side. Love, Love had his had his head that way, you know, to start the play. Hill was still creeping to that to that go route, so it was going to be a tough throw. But you got to hit the Seattle throw. That one, I, I get it. That that Watson can come back and catch the ball. But man, he's got he's got several yards on the guy. We got to hit those. And so mm-hmm. if I, I don't think Lafleur is going to shy away from those type of plays, especially against Chicago, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, you have a guy who's much faster than everybody on the field. Uh, so I expect shot plays. I expect you know shot plays to you know up the seam and deep deep crossers to Musgrave as well. I I don't expect Edmonds and and all these Edwards and all these guys they signed to keep up with him either. So I expect aggressiveness. I'm sure they're going to run the football, though, a, a heavy amount. But I think play action is going to play a big factor in this one. And it's just going to be up to, to love to, to hit them when they're there. I don't, Ryan, I don't expect it. I don't expect this uber conservative, you know, five wide, you know, got to be quick in the passing game type of stuff. Ryan, Jake brought up the uh, deep passing game and some of the concerns we've had there. And you spent a decent amount of time on multiple podcasts talking about concerns with the deep passing game based on the preseason. Where are you standing right now on the Packers deep passing game with Jordan Love? Yeah. So if I can not get kicked for five seconds here, um, I I was kind of going to talk about that. I'm, I was torn. I am torn on what the bears are going to do in terms of how they're going to attack things. Because I think if you do want to attack the weaknesses you might want to invite some of that aggressiveness because we have struggled a little bit. On the other hand, I just don't know. I think it's way too risky to say, I bet you missed it. When you got guys like Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave, I kind of think, especially since your defense sucks and your corners suck and they can't cover, I think I'd rather just have my safeties playing too high and we're going to try to just drop back, keep everything in front of us, let you dump the ball off, we'll come up, and we'll just hope that you can kind of make a mistake somewhere along the line. I just, even though, again, you could easily say, I bet you can't do it, you know he's going to do it. He hit Dobbs down the right sideline. Even if it's a little underthrown, he's going to hit these throws, and you don't want to lose your crowd on the first play with a 50-yard bomb to Christian Watson. So at first I thought maybe that was the way to go, and maybe some other teams might challenge that if they're a little bit more confident in what they can do. I don't think the Bears are going to do that because I don't think they have the personnel to do it. I think they're going to keep it simple and, and just try to keep everything in front of them and work downhill. 
but I do think it's a problem, and I do think that they're going to try to exploit weaknesses. The good news is the Bears don't have the personnel. Like, I don't know if he can handle pressure. They can't bring pressure. I don't know if we can throw deep. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to give us exactly what we want, which is the short to intermediate routes and let us dink and dunk down the field. And as long as, like I said, Jordan Love can execute, I think we're going to be fine doing that. One major concern for me at this point in time, we don't know if Romeo Dobbs is going to be ready to play in week one. He was asked about it today. He kind of refused to answer how healthy he thought he might be by week one. Just deferred to Matt LaFleur, said it's it's his decision. Um, I think that that probably is a big impact, though. We've seen the connection between Love and Dobbs basically since Dobbs got here. And especially this summer, we saw that those two are just, you know, they have that mind meld, if you will, uh, as much as, you know, the two young guys can have. If Dobbs is not out there, how much does that change your confidence, Jake, in the offense's ability to keep sustained drives moving down the field, particularly if the game plan for the Bears, like uh, Ryan alluded to, involves taking away that deep pass and making it a dink and dunk your way down the field. Well, I'm not concerned at all. It's Malik Heath season, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Should I start Malik no. Heath in fantasy? Oh, uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a question, you know, we'll have to dig deep into that one. I, we have to look at the roster. We'll have to, you know. Uh, For the record, I do have Aaron Jones. So the only guy who really can steal fantasy points from me if I start Love and Jones is A.J. Dillon. Unfortunately, my opponent in week one has A.J. Dillon. Hmm. Lot, see, this that's that's the that's the part of fantasy, right? Everything's conflicting. It's like, wow, do I want A.J. Dillon to score here on third and goal? Guess not. Like, uh, But, no, I like Goose's comment as well. Let Reed and Musgrave eat. I think... Uh, yeah, Reed's had a couple drops. I know in the in the in the preseason. Prior think, to the Seahawks game, I would have had a lot more confidence, but that was kind of more what you were expecting from. Uh, yeah, the Seahawk. Oh man, the Seahawk drop. That was just a little frustrating. You could you could. I I went back and watched that one. You just see him. He's trying to he's trying to set himself up post catch before the ball is getting there. You just watch the body, watch what he's doing with it. You know what he's trying to do. And it's just like, ah, just catch the ball first. I, I know, I get it. That will come. I, I believe in him wholeheartedly to get to that point where he's just, yeah, I can set my feet up any way I want because I know my hands are in the right spot. My technique's good. Just secure the ball. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're fine there. But I do think, you know, without Dobbs being serious and not completely, you know, driving a, a giant train with Malik Heath on the on the side, you know, in all caps. I think that chemistry matters. And, you know, if it's if, if the deep ball with Watson is just something where the chemistry is not there, and, and that's really the overarching problem rather than just love just not getting the pace, you know, or, or not getting it out far enough for Watson or what have you. Yeah, it, it does probably create a little bit of concern. But at the same time, like we've said, the personnel that the Bears have, I just don't they're that front seven, I just don't think they have the horses to to handle the run game. And I don't think they have the horses to get after the quarterback. I think Ryan made the good point. I would personally, if I were the Bears, rather you try to score in 17 plays 
and hope that at some point Love just kind of misses one of my linebackers underneath and, and doesn't see him, then we get a turnover that way rather than, yeah, let's just throw the kitchen sink at him. Let's blitz him. Blitz him against a, a unit that really just has been tremendous along the offensive line and hope that we can stick with Watson and Musgrave. I think that's a terrible idea. Also, Reed is fast. So that's the other part of the equation. Like, you have three fast dudes out there, even if Dobbs isn't there. So it, it does, I think, raise a little bit of concern if Dobbs doesn't play. But like I said, I think the personnel's still too good. And, you know, that just means, you know, fantasy week one, darling Malik Heath, two touchdowns the opening week. We like that. I'm going to laugh my butt we off. We like that. Has two touchdowns. Like that. I mean, Heath did <laughs> in that Seahawks game. He was in, in the, with a starting offense in mm-hmm. place of Romeo Dobbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost crazier it's almost crazier to think that he won't be out there playing yeah. that role if Dobbs is out there mm. than that he wouldn't Carson Caldwell in chat says honestly if the worst case scenario happens during the Bears game we're not gonna we're not gonna muse on that too long we'll still probably be in it to win at the end if we play as expected yeah. they have no chance Ryan let's talk about Justin Fields and nothing really brings me more uh, amusement and joy these days than listening when you go on a Justin Fields rant <laughs> and you're talking about how he was contrary to what Bears fans b- widely believe. He was actually somewhat bad last year. Yeah. Just controversial because a lot of, a lot of people thought that he was maybe going to win league MVP last year, despite, you know, the fact that his O line and wide receivers were out there kicking him in the nads every single down. Was Justin Fields last year as good as people say? And should we expect a Jalen Hurts-esque leap from him this year? I'm going to try. I think this might have been part of the problem before with why things weren't working. But um, let me maximize this just a little bit. Let me see if I can share my screen here. I just wanted to just, – just, just so we can all take a gander and see what we can – draw our own conclusions, if you will. Make sure you, you narrate notice, out loud. Because... Draw your attention to the screen here, and I will narrate this. So, as you can see, I got it color coded here. Ryan, is it possible <laughs> yeah. to move our faces? Because we're covering uh, up the bottom of that graph. Or if you zoom out just a tiny little bit. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Now we can see the whole thing. All right. So, as you can see, I mean, Jordan loves small sample size, but he's way over on the left. And the left <laughs> is where you have a high average EPA per right. pass. That's a good thing. You want to have a high, you want to be high on this graph. Behind him, just after that, is Jared Goff. Little ways down the chart, you got Kirk Cousins. I didn't color code it, but you can see Aaron Rodgers just slightly in the negative here. This is where the graph goes down. And down is bad. You don't want to go down. Because negative means you suck a little bit. And the more you go down, the more you suck. If I can take your attention really quick all the way to the right. I don't know if you can see all the way over there. There's a line that goes out of the bottom of the freaking graph. <laughs> I thought that that's was almost... just the wall of the graph. No, no. Actually, that's that's a whole that's a whole human being right there. Almost twice as bad as the guy next to him. That's Justin Fields. So do I think he's going to take a a leap the the size of Hertz or anybody else. I don't care if he does. Because if he takes a leap the size of of where J of what Jalen Hurts did, he might like still in be terms worse of, in the league. Look at the gap between that's him what I'm and saying. Baker Mayfield. If he takes the leap the size of what Jalen Hurts did, he's probably still the worst quarterback or the worst passer in the entire NFL. So I don't care. 
And by the way, he didn't, the, the idea, let me get rid of this. The idea that he somehow jumped, like he, he was here, you know, and then he jumped up here and now he's going to take this massive leap. He was here and then he went here. He went backwards in 2022. He didn't go for, I know he ran more. I get that. He ran more. He got more rushing yards. That's fantastic. He got worse as a passer. And I don't know if you saw him in the preseason. He looks like he's worse than last year. That was trash. I know it's just preseason, but I'm not seeing signs of progress there. So look, I, I don't, I don't really care if he takes a step. The guy is bad at throwing footballs. Um, if, if if he takes a jump, and, and it's possible, I will concede it is entirely possible, he becomes a good quarterback, good passer, everything, the most dangerous human being on earth. But there's no information that anyone can look at anywhere in the world where you would draw a logical conclusion between where he was to him being a good quarterback. It's just magical, mystical thinking, like, Frickin' Jordan Love could be better than Pat Mahomes this year. Prove me wrong. You can't prove me wrong because anything's possible. That's the same thing we're doing when we say Justin Fields can become Jalen Hurts. So, yes, it's entirely possible. It's also stupid if you assume that that's going to happen. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Ryan, you got to put Clayton's comment out there. By the way, Elva Shine, I appreciate your uh, your edit from the uh, joke at my expense to the the nicer version. All right, Clayton says, Justin Fields is about to improve on levels that can only be riled, rivaled by Uncle Rico's senior season at Podunk <laughs> University. Now, for those of you in the audio-only audience who couldn't see the graph, so like a zero EPA is basically average, right, uh, Ryan? Right. You, you, so George, uh, Justin Fields was almost as negative almost as negative as Pat Mahomes was positive. Yes. Pretty impressive. Yep. Uh, Jake, did you watch Justin Fields at all in the, in the preseason? His uh, preseason week three performance was definitely going around on, on Twitter. <laughs> I would just like anybody on defense to tackle DJ Moore, <laughs> right? Like, what the heck is going on? Are we just throwing out, like, you know, 89, 90, 91, 92 on the depth chart in the secondary? Like, what's happening? I hate that Why Bears no fans get to brag him? about missed tackles. <laughs> I know. Like, I the just, dude ran in straight lines oh, and had God four sakes. people bounce off him. And it's like, he's so good. Like, give yeah. me a freaking break, dude. <laughs> you'd, think, you'd think the dude was, like, a mix of, like, I don't know, like, Jameis Williams speed and Derrick Henry. Like, I'm not Beast very confused. Mode. Yeah, I'm very confused as how no one can tackle him in preseason. But, you know, hey, you know, good. Expectations are way up. And then the first time DJ Moore gets tackled after, like, a four-yard hitch for no, like, yards after the catch, like, what happened? It's like, well, welcome to, like, you know, the real NFL. Uh, I'm going to be super mad if I see Darnell Savage just pinball off oh, of him and no. he runs for a big gain. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... But yeah, I yeah the do, placement do you, you the, see... the ball placement doesn't look good. I don't know it. It no. really doesn't. And and that's we were talking about this when right, right before we we went live. It's just like it is it is wild to look at the numbers, look at the film, everything that you 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 bake into an evaluation for Justin Fields as to what he did in college, and then just look at like he has just not figured it out at all. It just has not come together in any sense. And it, listen, I know the supporting cast can can bear like a, a you know a piece of the pie a little bit, but at some point, some of these rookies are gonna you know, and these young quarterbacks are gonna elevate guys. 
Like, for God's sakes, Burrow's O-line, his second year, <laughs> was terrible. Yeah. He got sacked, what, seven times in that Titan game in the division round. They still won. Because, yeah. so, at some point, like, guess what? Yeah, it's not going to be perfect. It's not fair. I know. It isn't fair that you don't have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on your team, you know, to come together in year three for you. I get it. It stinks. I'm I'm sorry. But you have to you have to make do with what you have. And it it just has not worked. Like I think I think I looked at like, you know, some of the advanced stuff for fields last year, like what was better. I think like the only thing that was like legitimately better, if I if I uh looked correctly, was his deep passing. And actually no, it went it was still it was still in the same range, but like really where he's made the most hay is is 20 plus 30 plus down the field. And it's, it's just slowly just goes off a cliff when you ask him to, th- to make plays in this short, it, short under 10 yards. It looks dreadful. Uh, everything's out of whack. Everything's out of sync. So yeah, I, it, you don't like, you're not going to get a lot of big time throws according to PFF in the short area, but it'd be nice to have, you know, not like three turnover worthy plays within 10 yards. Um, that's not always good. <laughs> Uh, so, and that was in 2021. That's not last season. Last season, I mean, it's still the same. And he had under 20 yards last season, 10 turnover worthy plays, no big time throws. And I promise you could big time throws. They happened between 10 and 19 guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the thing. So it just, nothing is clicked. It looks, it looks exactly opposite of what you would think grades would, how grades would progress from behind line of scrimmage. Zero to nine yards, ten to nineteen, and twenty plus. It's backwards. Uh, I I don't get it. He has to, he has to at, at least to this point. What Fields has to be in is kind of the offense they're in. They should be running thirty five times a game. They should be throwing twenty plus these deep shots. Give them ten to fifteen deep shots a game. Yep. That's it. That's the offense. That's all you should be doing. That's basically what JJ McCarthy's doing at Michigan. Right. So, and, and probably what a lot of what Atlanta is probably going to be doing as well this season, too. So, <laughs> I just, I am, I am really befuddled. Uh, it's just like based on the college eval to now, it has not looked good. And this is coming from somebody who I know, like, again, Packers Network, you know, you, you love to root for guys to succeed. These, these young guys, you love to see guys that, that are drafted high, you know, live up to expectations. I, I want to root for the kid because he seems like a great dude, but like, man, it just, it's not clicking, man. And then I, I think we forget like how at least efficient Jalen Hurts played in 2021. Right. He didn't like break out and wasn't dominant, but a, he didn't make mistakes. Fields had, I think 21 turnover really plays last season. That's that's, that's terrible. Uh, Hertz at least was not putting the ball in harm's way, at least when the offense was sort of carrying him down the stretch in 21. He was making good throws. He was making smart decisions. So I think he ended up middle of the pack in EPA per play. I couldn't find it. I was trying to type it in and look look at it uh, to kind of quantify what the jump was for Hertz because Hertz kind of went from middling, uh, is he the guy, you know, very on the fence to, okay, he's the guy, great. Fields is like right now on the EPA per play chart is, oh, he's not it at all. He's right. not it. How is he a starter? That's what the EPA per play chart looks like. 
So for for people to expect a Jalen Hurts type leap, what does that mean? Does that mean he gets into like the twenties, the high twenties? Yeah. In, in terms of change, and that's that's putting you in the okay, is he is he or isn't he type of thing. So if that's the type of leap he makes, okay. But you're heading into twenty twenty four with with still more question marks. So I I, I very much don't believe we're going to see a complete one eighty. From from what whatever was it thirty second in EPA per play, or maybe even thirty six. I thought it was honestly. like thirty six. It might be thirty six or something sure. like that. To, to getting into the top five just seems just that's yeah, it's, first it's off that's not even ridiculous. fair. Like I can't believe Bears fans are like that's just unfair expectations. A hundred percent. That's like you're putting that on this this young dude who's twenty four years old, like thinking he's gonna like wait one of the biggest turnarounds we've ever seen. Like I I just I feel bad a little bit. Like so. I just don't see how you're going to get that much of a turnaround. Can he get better? Absolutely, he can. I don't know what it's going to take. Mechanically, there's there's something going on, and it's just affecting him in the short and intermediate areas of the field right now. And look, he can hit some deep shots, and that's great. But you know, to be to be good in this league, you gotta you gotta be dominating from everywhere. So, yeah, it's I, I can't imagine it's going to be uh, the smoothest of sailing this season. Looking at uh, defensive focus for the Packers, obviously you want to be able to contain him as a runner, but also it's really important to get pressure on Justin Fields. If you look at uh, play action versus no play action, if you look at uh, passing depth, yes, you can find some correlation here, but the the biggest difference that stands out to me is just how god-awful Fields was last year when he was under pressure, when he was kept clean. He had a 74.5 passing grade. Under pressure, he had a 29.4 passing grade. Uh, he also had a 21.7 fumble grade. Uh, his uh, t- touchdown to interception ratio was one to one when he was under pressure. This is the key. And we, I think, yep. have the guys in our stable to do it along the defensive line, our edge rusher room. We have some lean, mean, pass Russian machines on this roster. Seems like they kind of don't really give a crap about stopping the run anymore. Uh, I know <laughs> Matt LaFleur said earlier today that you got to win and run defense early on in the game in order to earn the um, right to, you know, and, and the, the opportunity to rush the passer later in the game. I understand that. I don't see that emphasis from Brian Gutekunst in how he constructed the defense. It's just pure pass rushers. When I'm looking at Jordan Love versus Justin Fields, the biggest differences that I see where I like one guy versus the other, I think today, if I had to lay money on the line about who's going to complete a deep pass, I would take Justin Fields as of today. I don't have that confidence right now in Jordan Love's deep passing game. Um, hopefully, you know, that is something that develops over time over the course of this season, but where I really lose a lot of faith and trust in Justin Fields, number one, I don't like his reads that he's going through. When I watch him play, seems like one to two reads is about all he typically processes before he locks in who he's throwing the ball to. I also don't like his timing at all. Yeah. We saw in the preseason, some screen passes where they were just a crazy amount of um, you know, yards after the catch. That's not the way Justin Fields is throwing these though. He has a lot of very light throws, gives the time, gives time for the defender to get there and, uh, you know, tackle right after uh, you catch the ball. Um, 
when I'm watching Jordan Love versus Justin Fields, a lot of these plays are these throws are really late. Seems like the defender really has to kind of work their way back to the ball a lot of the time. Uh, maybe has to kind of go up and and really try and put a lot of effort into catching an overthrow from Fields and Jordan Love. I would put money on to much more consistently throw the ball in rhythm, um, stay in tempo. Uh, we saw against the Seahawks, um, the offense that Lafleur was calling. He made a switch to start going tempo, and bam, they were just running every play really quickly. And Jordan Love handled that flawlessly. Seemed like there was no problem with that. And also, sometimes when you got to get that ball out quick, I really like what Jordan does. Take you know, drops back one step, bam, ball is out, hits the guy in a slant, and he can take off. And with Justin Fields, there's a lot of time where he like drops back and then throws a hitch in there, and I'm like the heck are you doing? The ball should have been out three quarters of a second ago. And the guy's just standing still waiting for the ball to get to you. So I just, you know, when I'm looking at this week one game, I'm looking at three categories. I'm going to have you guys pick a guy to win in. First is going to be NFL passer rating. Second is going to be PFF overall grade, not just passing grade, but overall grade. And third is going to be, Fantasy points. So, Jake, NFL passer rating, who are you taking? Justin Fields or Jordan Love? Uh, yeah, his, uh, historically, I mean, I'll probably I'll probably be taking Jordan Love on that on that. Ryan? Yeah, I agree. From from I mean, if we're isolating passing, I'm taking Jordan Love every time. I'm taking Jordan as well. Uh PFF overall grade, not just passing. But your overall grade, Jake. Um, I'll probably still. I think I'll still lean love, as long as as long as there's not you know a uh, you know Colin Kaepernick playoff <laughs> game you, type before, of rushing grade from Fields. I think before you get your whole answer out, I just want to throw this out there. Okay. Last week. Last year, in week two, when he played Green Bay, his overall grade was 40.8. But then when he played them in week 13, he had the highest PFF overall grade of the year at 90.4. And that was boosted by the fact that he had an 82 passing grade. Yeah. Um, I I think unless – I truly believe this. Unless you're getting like a weighted – like rushing grade in the nineties. That's when I think it gets closer. I think as long as I think what we talked about expectation wise for love in terms of what he needs to do, he needs to be the, the game managing type. I think that I'm, I'm going to take love. It will probably be a, a closer than I think passer rating will be, but I'll, I'll lean Jordan love. Yeah. I mean the, the, the thing that would have, made me think otherwise as far as overall is the rushing. And I do think PFF sometimes emphasizes that too much. I think they weight it more when they, you know, passing obviously should take precedent. However, um, I think, I mean, Jordan Love was the had the highest rushing grade of any quarterback in the preseason. So I don't think it's necessarily the case, even if, you know, we, we give uh, Justin a slight edge rushing. I think Jordan's still going to have a good rushing grade. Because it's it's not a cumulative. How many yards did you get? Uh, that's not how I don't know exactly PFF's metrics, but you don't need a, a hundred yards. It's just maximizing opportunities. 
So he could rush for 20 yards and still have a higher rushing grade than Justin Fields, who ran for 150. So if he's a better passer, and I think their rushing grades are somewhat comparable, because I do think Jordan is going to be a more intelligent runner, even if he's not as as gifted. He's not going to be going backwards as much. He's not going to be scrambling in circles, losing 15 yards, doing that nonsense. So I do think uh, I think overall Jordan still probably has the edge. Plus, if we get a fumbling grade from Fields, that was pretty True. much a flip of the coin uh, in 2022, like legitimately yeah. eight to seven. It was either really good or it was horrible. So yeah. you do a flip of the coin there. You know, if you get a you get a fumble out of him, then Love's going to get the edge. I think Fields also had seven penalties last year that would impact his grades slightly. If he had true, well, although Jordan Love had a had a penalty as well, I think in the Seahawks game for a delay game, if I recall yeah, correctly. Right. I, yes, I believe so. All right, last. You know what? Actually, I didn't. Uh, I didn't give my answer. I'm gonna. I'm definitely taking Jordan for the passer rating. I think I'm gonna take Justin for the PFF grade. That's fair. But would you? Partly, do you think? Do you think the PFF grade is gonna be closer? I think the PFF Between grade the is gonna be a lot closer than the passer okay. rating. Okay, that's that. Yeah, I I figured. I was because I'm. I you guys know I don't have a a great respect for the offensive intelligence of Luke Getze, but I think that the bears are going to try and play a safer game. And if they are leaning heavily on their own run game, and if Justin Fields runs well and is mainly just throwing off of play action, that may limit his opportunities for a bad grade. You know, if he's, if he's not just having him drop back and, and, and just go straight passing. And also, by the way, Fields had a really poor grade last year on screen passes. So I kind of got excited at all the screens that we saw from him in the preseason this year. He was, he was, uh, I think one of his lowest uh, categories last year was uh, uh, passing on screens. And with the accuracy that we were seeing, (laughs) the accuracy we were seeing, and like DJ Moore had to like turn around and back up a, half yeah. a yard to even catch the dang thing. So if they, if they mix some screens in there, you know, I talked myself into it. I think Jordan loves going to have a higher grade. <laughs> grade. I will say I, as you were talking about, I went back to the passing depth grades. I'm like, Oh yeah, that tracks screens were not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. No, that's well, when I think your you... weaknesses are timing and ball placement, <laughs> I'd say that so. is going to just... hurt you on screen passes, man. <laughs> I think like what was more impressive, beach, like lobbing a beach ball out there, just <laughs> more the impressive guy. than DJ Moore's yards after the catch was the fact that he was able to catch it in the first place. He was digging those <laughs> things out of the dirt, man. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Hopping back a step, that first one, <laughs> yeah. really set himself up, though. <laughs> All right. Lastly, is uh, fantasy points. Who's going to be the better fantasy quarterback in Week One? I'll say. I'll say. Fields by a small margin. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm going to give my answer now, but I'm going to have to put my money where my mouth is before kickoff. You are. So that's <laughs> you true. <laughs> I think perhaps one of the very few that has love and fields as the two quarterbacks in fantasy. I, I, <laughs> well, I, I actually, I, I'll be I honest. I'm in a league. Love. Well, there you go. I drafted I, fields and then okay. I also drafted Russell Wilson 
And then afterwards, I was thinking, what the heck am I doing with Russell Wilson and my stinking team? Yeah, so I went to the guy who had feet, who had love and just offered a straight-up trade. And he's, I think that he thought he was getting a steal. Yikes. I uh, hate to break it to him, but yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I'm, I'm in a league with coming up this weekend with like big-time Packer fans who will reach on Packers and Bears fans who will reach on Bears. There's no Damn. chance I'll have those two on my team. Yeah, so, no, for sure. Well, it might be one of the few. That'll be fun. All right, I'm, I'm going to give my answer now, but it, it probably yeah. is not going to matter much because I'm going to go back and forth 100 times before kickoff. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that I think Love leads in all three of these categories. So as of right now, my plan is to start Love, but it, it, it may yeah. be a really stupid idea. So we'll see which way I go. I think uh, it's going to come down to the red zone, like you said. It's either are they going to trust Love in the red zone or are they going to run it? Right. That's, that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm I'm wondering if it's going to come down to the Packers' defensive containing line fields, well, that's, containing that's, that's him, getting yeah. pressure on him. If they if they got, have him under pressure, if they are sacking him a bunch and he's losing a bunch of yardage, if he you know they're forcing some fumbles, his fantasy points are going to go out the window. So that's you know it's it, it, it is much of a vote of confidence in our defense. Uh, if I if I start uh, and and it's true is the deep is the Packers defense a week one start? Many are asking. Well, the Packers <laughs> defense question, has, actually. has been <clears throat> decent early in the season the last couple of years, and the Bears offense has been poor in the early season the last couple of years. Well, so there you go. Might have some. all right. So I'm I'm taking love in all three categories. Okay. All right. I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at JJ Leahy, at Pack underscore Daddy, and at Jake NFL Draft to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. Make sure you're subscribed to Packernet on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go!